Hey there, Hoopers. Welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. You're listening to a podcast made by the Hoopers and for the Hoopers. I'm your host, Safir Naji, and today I'm bringing you episode 22. Uh, I hope we're all safe, you know, doing well, washing your hands, staying socially distanced, uh, kind of excited for things to restart, but also remaining cautious. You know, as we see more businesses kind of opening up the NBA, exploring options of restarting things. Uh, But, you know, we've been starting a lot of new things here on the Pick and Roll podcast, especially on the Instagram, especially all over our social media. You can follow us there at PNR Podcast. Uh, Of course, we're posting previews of the podcast up on there. We post highlight videos. You know, a lot of stuff's been going on, including an addition to the Pick and Roll team. That's right. We've actually signed a free agent and added them to our roster. So if y'all could just welcome Brandon Goodnow to the Pick and Roll team. Uh, Y'all can go subscribe to his YouTube channel, Heat Heat Check Productions, excuse me. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to extend a warm welcome to him. You know, hopefully we'll be able to get him on for an episode relatively soon. Unfortunately, I couldn't slide him in for this one, but no worries at all, because this is, of course, the episode of Dynamic Duos. Uh, Now, if you've been following us on social media, you know that because we posted it on our story. But of course, there's two twos in the number 22. So therefore, I thought it would be a really cool idea to just look at the top six duos in the NBA. Obviously, the number six, because as Canadians, we support the six. Um, And actually, there is a rapper duo on this top six list. Uh, But before we get into that, obviously, we have to do our weekly tradition of the best jersey number of our episode. So this is episode 22 and the best number 22 in history. Well, there was a lot of good choices here, but I'm going to go with Clyde Drexler. Now, of course, if you guys have been watching The Last Dance as I have, you know, learning more about Jordan or for people who watched Jordan, just reliving that excitement. It's been really impactful to me, you know, because as you guys all are probably aware, I believe LeBron is the greatest of all time and I have for quite a long time. But after having seen Michael Jordan's career in a different way, you know, on a big screen, kind of live TV instead of basketball reference statistics and ESPN first take debates, I have to admit it's kind of making me consider Michael Jordan maybe is the greatest of all time. Maybe I was wrong. Uh, But we'll stay tuned for that because obviously episode 23 is coming up. Uh, But the reason I bring up that tangent is because Clyde Drexler is our best number 22 in history and he went up against Michael Jordan quite a few times. Those of us that have watched The Last Dance, those of us that have kind of researched and heard about and maybe even seen Michael Jordan's career live, we know what Drexler meant against Jordan. You know, Drexler was a guy that swept a young Penny Shaq Orlando Magic team. We know how good Penny and Shaq were. We know that they were an incredible pairing. But yet, you know, Drexler won the 95 championship, sweeping them out of there. Of course, he also was compared to Michael Jordan for a long time because he was a shooting guard. And Jordan always hated those comparisons. Jordan knew that he was superior. Jordan knew that he was a much better player than Drexler was. But that did not mean Drexler was a slouch because obviously in any realm, if you're being compared to Michael Jordan, that means that you are of another breed, of another level. Now, Drexler averaged 20.6 rebounds, 5 assists for a career, 47% from the field, 31% from three-point range, and 79% from the free-throw line. 10 All-Stars, 5 All-NBAs, and one of the greatest players in Portland's franchise history. In my opinion, Lillard is probably the greatest of all time. 
but um, that's no that's no dismay to Clyde Drexler though. So shout out to him. He's the best number twenty two in NBA history. Played for the Blazers. Played for the Rockets. Faced MJ a lot. One of the greatest of all time. If you guys haven't watched his highlights, I suggest you go on YouTube and Google him. But without further ado, let's run the play, Hoopers. So, episode 22, The Duos. What are the parameters that I'm using to evaluate this? Because obviously, when you go down a box score stat, it doesn't tell you who the two most impactful players were on the season. You have to go to Stats NBA, you have to go to Basketball Reference, you have to explore multiple avenues in order to find this information. So, what am I using in order to evaluate this? Well, let's start with the simplest one, eye test. You know, if you're like me, you've watched a lot of NBA basketball this season. You've watched a lot of highlight reels, you know, breakdowns, analysis, etc., etc. You know which teams catch your eye, which players catch your eye, which duos catch your eyes. And so what I looked at was which duos are controlling games the best, which duos aren't necessarily most responsible for the team's success, but most impactful possession by possession. So if we were doing this in a previous season, let's say, you know, the LeBron-Kyrie tandem, obviously from the Cleveland Championship year, they would rank very high on this because when we saw them in the in the finals or even during points of the regular season, those two would have the ball in their hands almost every possession in the fourth quarter. We knew that they were the lead shot creators and so did the other team's defense, but yet they were able to manufacture wins on a possession-by-possession possession basis, one step at a time. And I think that that does matter, especially when you're considering playoffs, when you're considering, you know, the fact that we might not even get the rest of the regular season. We don't know. Um, so just considering that, I have to look at what these players might do for the remainder of the season, you know, the context of the break that's happened, and kind of just evaluating what I see outside of the box score, outside of just the numbers. Secondly, of course, Basketball Reference has so many great statistics, whether it be for teams or lineups or players or whatever you want to look at. I like to use it for individual statistics the most. And so what I'll be using it for is evaluating the numbers that these players are putting up individually. So there are tandems, of course, that do great together, but don't have great individual statistics and vice versa. On top of all that, so many teams in the league play at such different paces. You know, you're talking about the Rockets isolation pace versus maybe the Nuggets ball movement pace or the Lakers transition pushes and then slow down fourth quarter. It's hard to evaluate these players in an even playing field. As well, you know, the fact that the three-point shot has become so valuable means that field goal percentage, which is often just the metric that's used for efficiency on box scores, it doesn't really represent everything. And those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a long time know that I like true shooting percentage. I like some of the advanced statistics because I find that they provide a more understandable representation of what would happen on an even playing field if these players were placed in the same situations or as similar situations as possible. Now, where this comes into handy is, let's compare two players. Let's take Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden. Now, if we look at Giannis's box score numbers and compare them to Harden's, Giannis would be inferior to Harden in terms of scoring by a crazy margin. Because obviously Harden's averaging close to 35 points a game and Giannis is only averaging 29. But then you would tell me, oh, just go look at his field goal percentage. Giannis is shooting above 50% almost every game. Harden is shooting below 45% most games. 
And while I'd agree with you that Harden does chuck up a lot of shots, and I, I admit, Harden's, Harden's a volume scorer. The thing is, that wouldn't tell you the whole story. Because you wouldn't know that Harden has to create all of his own shots in a half-court offensive set with no real movement, whereas Giannis has a team built around him to move around him and to set up action for him to get into the paint. Then it would, it would change things. Some of the ways that we could eliminate that was, well, Harden and Giannis play at different paces, let's both put them in 100 possessions. So we'll use per 100 possession statistics. Then in terms of the, the shooting efficiency, instead of using field goal, three point and free throw, let's just hybridize them into true shooting percentage, which equates them to two point attempts. It takes all your scoring attempts and tells you what percentage from two you would need to, you would need to shoot on the same number of scoring attempts, excuse me. It's a tongue twister when you look at analytics stats. Um, as well, you know, this per 48 minutes as well, but I prefer not to use those because in 48 minutes, you know, that could be a different number of possessions every single game. And let's be honest, most teams evaluate on possessions, not minutes. It makes more sense to do that. Um, so we will be using those advanced analytics statistics just because I feel like they provide a better picture. But of course, we will still provide the box scores for these teams or duos rather. Um, and then we'll be using Stats NBA, which is run by SAP Software. And um, we're going to look at their two-man lineup combinations. Now, the reason why I used the NBA's over basketball references was because I find the NBA's just a little bit easier to understand with their definitions of offensive and defensive rating. Um, and of course, that's what matters most here because those are points scored per 100 possessions and points conceded per 100 possessions. And when you subtract one from the other, you get their net rating. And so that allows me to determine what the disparity is between them and the next player in the league, or the next duo in the league, rather, the next team in the league. Um, also, to make sure that I didn't get any injured duos or duos that have just not been playing that many games, I made a condition to have 900 minimum minutes played together. Um, so there's a lot of factors that's going into that. Of course, I understand it sounds like a very specific kind of statistic to pull out, kind of obscure, but it does allow me to see that everyone's stats are not significantly inflated. It allows me to see everyone in identical situations. And it shows me players that are willing to play, you know, playoff level minutes together that have already gotten experience that I believe would be ready with the chemistry that they need to succeed in the playoffs, if that makes sense. Uh, of course, I also took the league average for 100 uh, points per 100 possessions for five man teams, and it was 110.4 points. So just keep that in mind the entire time. Not a, a really important thing, but just to kind of let you know that per 100 possessions, teams would score an average of 110.4. Um, however, funny thing is, is there's one duo that still managed to not make this minimum minutes requirement, but I had to keep them on here because I know how good they are. Now, if you can guess which one it is, props to you. I invite you to DM us what you think before you keep listening to this episode. So follow us on Instagram at PNR Podcast. Check that out. And without further ado, let's get into the top six, starting with the six, Toronto. We're going to go with Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. Now, of course, I just made an episode on Lowry, so you already know what I think of him. I believe he's really a top 10 point guard in this league comfortably. In fact, I would say top six or top seven. And of course, I love Pascal Siakam, you know, after game one of the finals last year and just his whole season last year, really, that most improved player year, he proved to me that he's a real, real star in this league. 
and on top of that, like I don't know what kind of potential this kid has, but if he if he reaches his ceiling, the league the league is gonna have some problems because you're gonna have a, a fight between him and Giannis and Ben and Joel Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, excuse me, for who's the best player in the Eastern Conference? Who's the best player in the league? But um, you know. There's a lot of reasons why I didn't put them higher, and we'll get into that, but let's start by giving them some credit. So, of course, the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard, but they went on a 15-game win streak um, this year, which broke a Canadian sports record and a Toronto Raptors franchise record. On top of that, you know, they've both established themselves as great players in this league. Lowry's averaging great stats, Siakam's averaging great stats, and the Raptors are winning. So, it sounds all good. Uh, we're going to their stats, you know, Lowry averaging 19 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists per 100 possessions. That goes to 25 points, 7 rebounds, and 10 assists. So you're seeing that, you know, with with increased offensive load, with increased defensive load even, these players are still able to perform at a very high level. Uh, of course, steals and blocks also Lowry excels in as a point guard. 1.3 steals, 0.4 blocks per game. Uh, as box score stats and per 100 possessions that goes to 1.8 steals and 0.6 blocks so he's getting up in there Uh, of course I also want to introduce a new stat on this one which is turnover rate Uh, I did talk about it before briefly in a couple of episodes but what it is just a percentage of estimated possessions on basketball reference and it uh, it estimates the number of turn the percentage of times that a player will create a turnover on a possession uh, obviously, you want to have a low turnover rate so that you're not turning the ball over for your team. However, you know, for point guards, we see that number kind of climb up to around 12, 15, 16%. And that's right where Lowry is at 15% turnover rate, which is pretty good. Uh, of course, shoots 59% true shooting percentage. So he's an efficient scorer for his team, assists the ball exceptionally well, and a great defender. Siakam stats, of course, no slouch as well. He's playing 35 and a half minutes a game this year. Those are superstar level minutes. And in those uh, in those minutes, he's averaging 23.7 rebounds, 3.3 assists, a steal, and a block a game. So filling up the statue. And when you expand it to a per 100 possession basis, he's going 31 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.3 steals, and 1.2 blocks per 100 possessions. Man, it feels good to imagine that there's a Raptor that is averaging those kinds of statistics. Makes you feel like we have a superstar on our hands because we absolutely do. He's shooting 56% true shooting percentage and his turnover rate for such a great scorer, 10.5%. So these two clearly proving that they know what they're doing as a tandem, as a duo in this league. Now, those are some stats for you. Let's talk about the eye test. Now, when I watched Lowry and Siakam play last year, what I noticed a lot was that there was a lot of rawness in Siakam's game and Lowry was kind of coming into his own now as this big Raptors leader, playoff player, peak performer when they needed him. This was something that obviously, as I said in the last episode, that was disputed about Lowry. Um, and so seeing them come together like that and then losing Kawhi Leonard to become this unstoppable of a duo. You know, taking down teams like the Lakers, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Heat, you know, just beating teams in and around the league, going on 15-game win streak, they showed me that they know what they're doing. They know that they can play in this league, and they've earned their spot at the top, you know, among the top, at least. 
when I watched them against Dallas, the 31 point comeback that Lowry, you know, really led the team in. It just shows me that they're resilient. And when it comes to playoff basketball, resiliency is key. Lowry had a great game that time, dropping 32 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. A 31 point comeback using a 1 2 2 full press. I've raved about it before. But you need a certain type of player, a certain type of group to lead that kind of attack, that kind of defense. And these two were the perfect combination. Lowry was hitting step back three after step back three, advanced dribble combos, and ones, great assists, rebounds, defense, everything you needed. And then Siakam, you know, he's had some great games this year too. In fact, he had a 44 point outing, 10 rebounds, four assists too, by the way. Uh, 17 for 28 shooting against the Pelicans. Excuse me, against Brandon Ingram, big length. You know, a, a good defender in this league against Drew Holiday, another good defender in this league. You know, Ingram finished only with 27 points, and I know 27 is a lot of points, but compared to Siakam, that's a minus 17. So these two guys are really special, you know, and their impact with their team, you know, their impact per 100 possessions as a rating for their team's performance, it proves that they're great as a duo. Offensive rating, excuse me, of 112.8 and a defensive rating of 104.5. So their net rating ranks in the 81st percentile in the league by the conditions that I mentioned earlier, 900 minutes played together, two-man lineups. They're proving that they're in the top conversation in the league, despite not having the most flattering box numbers for Lowry and the most flashy scoring for Lowry in particular. So there you go. Lowry and Siakam repping number six for the six. Let's move on to number five. Now for number five, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum make the list. Now, of course, Tatum and Walker, they're such a great combo together. But of course, when we look at the Celtics, we imagine Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, maybe Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum. It's kind of weird that I'm putting Kemba Walker here, but the reason why comes down to playoff projections. Now, I'm not saying that Jalen Brown is not going to be good in the playoffs, but I think that Kemba Walker's role is going to be more important than the playoffs. And let me explain. Kemba's finally moved to a team that has serious playoff aspirations. He didn't slouch in that series against the Miami Heat with D-Wade all those years ago. But at the same time, I've only seen him there. I've never seen him in any other Charlotte Hornets playoff series. And so I think that he has to prove himself on that stage. On top of that, I think that's, first of all, it's going to motivate him. And second of all, you know, with the talent at the wing position, especially in the Eastern Conference, you know, you're talking about Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward, first of all, on the same team, having to give up possessions to Tatum and Walker as well. On top of that, you got Giannis, who's a really big wing, Siakam, who's a really big wing, uh, Simmons, who's a point forward, he's a wing, and he's really big too. There's a lot of competition around the shooting guard, small forward, power forward, kind of big wing, small wing position, especially in the Eastern Conference. But at the point guard, you know, when I'm looking at the Eastern Conference, I see Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker is up there with the best point guards in the East, and that's not even a debate. So I think that, you know, Kemba's impact on playoffs is going to matter more. On top of that, if Tatum and Brown aren't doing well, their defensive numbers just stand out together. Whereas with Walker and Tatum, when things are clicking between them, they have both ends like 
locked down and the offense is just it's it's, it's a different imagine it's a different animal to imagine excuse me and so when i go to their individual statistics tatum's averaging 35 minutes a game first of all superstar numbers for minutes 27 or 24 points seven rebounds three assists 1.4 steals 0.9 blocks that jumps to 33 10 and 4 per 100 possessions and he's doing it efficiently too 10 percent turnover rate so he's keeping the ball in his hands he's keeping it protected and he's putting in the bucket at a 56% rate true shooting percentage. Of course, not to be outdone, Kemba Walker's in 32 minutes, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. That's actually a lot better than it sounds. And per 100 possessions, 32 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Now you see what I mean? The per 100, it kind of makes you understand that these guys, when they're on the same level, they can both be putting up crazy numbers. Of course, Kemba is also an efficient scorer, 57% true shooting, and matching Tatum with that 10% turnover rate. Now, their offense and defense as a team has been incredible, and Kemba and Tatum have been the leading two-man lineup. And this is why I kept them over the Brown-Tatum-Hayward-Tatum lineups as well. Because when I looked at the duo statistics, this was the leading group over 900 minutes. Their offensive rating was just under 117 and their defensive rating was 105.5. The net rating was in the 93rd percentile at plus 11.2 over other duos, over other teams, per 100 possessions. Now that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in right there. You know that these two guys, despite Tatum only being his third year and Kemba really being in his first year as a contender, they're already proving that they're in the top 7% of the league. The best 7%. That's that's the cut. So, uh, I gotta give them credit, but the reason why I have to keep them out of the top four is that, you know, they only have three years of playoff experience combined. Tatum's second year of playoff experience was, of course, skewed by the whole Kyrie drama. Kemba's was screwed by having Michael Jordan as an owner. Again, he was great as a player, and shout out to The Last Dance. Not a great team owner, not even a good team owner. Uh, you know, Walker hasn't even been out of the first round. Tatum's never been to an NBA Finals. I need to see more from them. And the guys in front of them, you know, they've had a lot more to show me. They've just shown me that they can be better in playoff scenarios. And I think that's what matters here. I have to project what they're going to do. And am I saying that the Celtics aren't going to do good in the playoffs? Absolutely not. But of course, a coach-heavy offense can sometimes be easier to scout against. We've seen that with Brad Stevens' teams in the past. We've seen that. We've seen that with other teams in the past as well. Where if they're not executing absolutely perfectly, the other team can scout against it, and they can use physicality with the Celtics' size or lack of size. Now, of course, their best games. Kemba had a 40-point, 11-rebound, three-assist matchup versus Milwaukee. Of course, they lost the game because no one else decided to show up that night. I like how Kemba's one good game with the Celtics no one else could secure it uh even though boston already has taken to kemba he didn't need to have a big game and a win he just needed to have a big game and of course tatum he's he's always having big games he's had a 41.6 rebound four assist game against new orleans the first celtics since larry bird to do it in less than 30 minutes absolutely incredible and of course put up 40 in the uh in a three-point loss to the lakers where lebron hit a turnaround fadeaway <clears throat> excuse me my voice is a little scratchy today 
as I was saying about that Celtics Lakers game, you know, Tatum proved that he can he can compete with LeBron at Staples Center at the highest level. These guys are the fifth best duo in the league to me. Let's move on to number four. The last one we do before we move on to halftime. Now, some people are gonna say I'm putting this too low. And I'll understand why you're saying that, but I won't agree with you. It's James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Now look, these two are some of my favorite guys in the league. They're incredible to watch. And they prove to me something different every night. Westbrook proves to me that you don't need to shoot any threes at all to have a big game. Because he had a 45.10 rebound, 6 assist performance on 69% shooting, sorry, true shooting. Didn't attempt a single three. Not even an attempt. And then Harden, you know, he proves to me that, yeah, I can just dribble the ball like a billion times a game. And, oh, I'm going to average 35 a game. And I'm going to average, you know, per 100 possessions, some numbers that will make you cry. Like, literally will make defenders cry. I'll also be one of the most efficient scorers in the league, and I'll do it against the best defensive players in the league, because Harden, of course, he put up 47.7 rebounds and 3 assists against the Clippers, who had Paul George, Patrick Beverly, and Kawhi Leonard. Including a pull-up 3 where he smacked Kawhi Leonard's backside on the way back. By the way, Kawhi's a defensive player of the year, two-time. Arguably one of the best defensive players of all time. Arguably the best defensive player in the league right now. And Harden was just going step back after step back after step back, and then a drive, and then some free throws, and then a step back. And he shot 70% true shooting percentage in that victory. Of course, for the beginning of the, of the season, we were debating, is he going to average 40 a game? So these two have, they, they proved so much, and especially with this Capella trade, you know, abandoning the idea of having a seven-footer on your team, there's a lot, and the fact that they can make that valid as a comparison, by the way, it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to give them credit for. Harden, of course, averaging 37 minutes, leading the league in minutes almost, just behind Damian Lillard. 34.6 rebounds, 7 assists, 1.5 steals, 1 block, you know, 43 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists when you go to per 100 possessions. So you see just how much Harden is having to put in for this team. Despite leading in minutes, you know, he has to be deliberate with these possessions. So his numbers really take a jump when we go to 100 possessions. Uh, he's also one of the most efficient scorers despite his field goal percentage. You know, he shoots 62% true shooting percentage and only has a turnover rate of 14%, which for someone with a usage rate as high as his, as we all know, he like leads the league in it every year. That's impressive. And then Westbrook, who's had to give up a lot of what's made him great as a player, which is to take most of the shots and to rebound hard and to assist hard and all of those things, he's averaging 27, 8, and 7 on his own. And per 100 possessions, they look more familiar like his OKC numbers, 35, 10, and 9. Of course, his efficiency has been pretty decent this year, 54% true shooting, 15% turnover rate. So he's been relatively efficient, even though he's had to change roles so drastically. Now, of course, these numbers are going to look different in the playoffs, especially considering the massive roster change that the Rockets made. You know, losing Capella, losing any kind of big man presence for your team is going to strongly impact your success level. But, you know, their offensive rating and defensive rating don't show me that 
they're gonna perform above the level of like transcendent teams. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm trying not to be too harsh on them. Their offensive rating is 110.1 per 100 possessions, 104.3 points given up per 100 possessions, which actually isn't bad. Their defense is surprisingly their their highlight here. Uh, they've held some teams to, to low-scoring games. And they're a plus 5.8 overall, which is in the 69th percentile. Again, not great. But their individual statistics, it proves to me that at least when, when the game slows down and I need two shot creators, that can go get other people's shots or go get their own shots. These guys know how to do it. They've been doing it all season. And while I've seen them both tire out in the playoffs, while I've seen them both underperform, losing in rounds they shouldn't lose, lose to teams they shouldn't lose to, I do genuinely believe that this is their breakout year in the playoffs. They're playing together. They're more comfortable. They've had a little bit less offensive load than previously. And... You know, I think I think Westbrook being in the secondary role kind of is going to benefit him come playoff time. So, plus, you know what? I'm I'm of the belief that a hot shooting streak would propel the Rockets past the Clippers and would make the Lakers really have to work in a seven-game series. Really, really have to work. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for the top six to four. We'll get to the top three to one after halftime. We'll see you in a minute, Hoopers. Hey there, Hoopers. This halftime show, we're just going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, starting with the B-Ball Empire. Now, of course, B-Ball Empire has great apparel for Hoopers and non-Hoopers alike. But of course, you guys are real Hoopers, so I would market this specifically to you. Now, let me tell you what they have. They've got hoodies, t-shirts, hats, backpacks, phone cases. And right now, they have a limited release going on that you can check out at their website, bballempire.com you can follow them on instagram as well at the bballempire now this limited release i have to say it is incredible it is a piece that is this stance it is an artistic t-shirt that you have to go and look at i'm not going to spoil it for you i'm not going to tell you what's on it but i'll tell you since it's such an artistic design let's go with the top three most artistic play styles in the league of all time now, there's been a lot of great artists that have graced this league. We're talking Kobe Bryant. We're talking Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. Not players that just, you know, win a lot of games, but show you basketball in its purest, most beautiful form. Offensively, of course, is the more beautiful thing to look at. And so there's going to be a little bit of a bias on that end of the floor, I will admit. But starting with number three, now I think the third greatest artist in the NBA of all time. I'm going to go with Magic Johnson. Magic made passing an art form again, made it so beautiful and so kind of lethal to win for the Showtime Lakers. You know, yes, Kareem Skyhook was one of the propelling forces for that team, but Magic's passing in transition, Magic's passing even in the half court, behind his head, behind his back, through his legs, it proved that, you know, a, a pass first point guard at that size, by the way, could be incredible. He's going to be number three. Number two, I'm going to have to go with Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie is the best ball handler of all time. One time NBA champ, of course, one of the greatest point guards in the league right now and po possibly could win some more championships with KD. 
He's a great artist with the ball, his ball handling, his scoring, his shooting. You know, Kyrie plays more to art than the rules of the game. And that's why, you know, he gets criticized because art, of course, has its critics. So we're going to put Kyrie at number two. And number one, my favorite artist of all time, Kobe Bryant. Kobe made basketball so beautiful. He was our Michael Jordan. He really, he was the one that got closest to what Mike was. The fadeaway jumper, the jab step series, the, you know, the lethal three-point shooting, 60 in his final game, 81 against the Raptors, 65 and three quarters. And, you know, died early like a lot of the greatest artists do. So we're going to put Kobe at number one there and just tell you that, you know what, like these these guys are all great artists. The art that B-Ball Empire puts on their stuff is great and it'll make you a better player on the basketball court. Now, they didn't pay me to say that. I'm just saying that because, you know, I hoop in it all the time in my hoodie, you know, outside in my backyard where I just got my new basketball net. So I'm telling you guys right now, go get some new swag. Use code PNR24 to save 24% on your order and cop their limited release t-shirt, bballempire.com. Now, the second sponsorship that we have, of course, is Drip Detailing. Now, we have a new offer with Drip Detailing where you can save $24. That's right, $24 off of your drip detailing package and you know they do everything from glass cleaning to engine bay cleaning you know leather steam cleaning the whole deal and i know a lot of these guys personally you know the work that they put in is truly something to admire whether it be on the social media with the kind of cars that they get to post you know ferraris benzes all of that stuff to the work that they actually do on the cars you know this is really really hard stuff to do and so i have to give them credit now of course they have a lot of things going on on their Instagram page. It's at Drip Detailing. You can also go to their website, dripdetailing.ca, or call 403-585-9827. Ceramic coating, wrapping, paint correction, headlight restoration, PPF, paint chip repair. Man, the whole deal. And they actually just dropped a time-lapse video on their Instagram. I suggest you watch it. You know, some carpet cleaning, you know, just some, some of the stuff that they get to show you that you know what's actually happening with your car integrity honesty all of those important things so go check out drip detailing go check out b-ball empire uh they got a lot of stuff going on on there use our codes tell tell drip detailing we uh we sent you you'll save 24 dollars use pnr24 on bballempire.com and uh you save 24 percent off your order of course they have a limited release going on go check that out and uh that's all for this halftime show we'll see you for the second half of the show hoopers Hey there, Hoopers. Welcome back to the Pick and Roll Podcast. Episode 22, Dynamic Duos. You already know what's getting, you know where you already know what's going on. Let's get back into the, the top three here. Now, this was a lot of fun for me, especially because I found that the top two were a lot harder to decide than just, you know, who generally was in the top three. Especially at third place, I found that it was easier to separate third from second and first. So at third, it's going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. Now, of course, They've all, they've had the least minutes played out of any of the duos on this list. Actually, the second least, excuse me. Um, and it might surprise you that they rank, you know, third instead of second or first here. However, I do believe that Middleton's disappearances in playoff games and Giannis's you know, difficulties with teams that have a lot of bigs and active defensive wings, 
you know, that is a very big weakness that needs to be taken into consideration, especially when I'm looking at the guys that rank above them. And the talent in the league in general, you know, I've always said that talent is at its highest right now. And so as a result, it's hard for me to, to rank them any higher. Now, their individual stats are pretty good. You know, Giannis averaging 30, 13, and 6. Middleton averaging 21, 5, and 6. So they're both 6 assists a game. They're both active playmakers. Giannis, of course, his per 100 possession numbers are incredible. Because even though Milwaukee plays at a good pace, Giannis is playing only 31 minutes a game. And so his per 100 are uh, 44 points, 20 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal and a half, and a block a half. Holy shit. 61% true shooting percentage, 30, 13% turnover rate. Man, Giannis is incredible. And then I'm going to look at Middleton. 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists per 100 possessions, 62% true shooting percentage, 11% turnover rate. That's These are both incredible stat lines to look at. And especially when we look at the other per 100s, you know, they rank as some of the best. Giannis is probably ranked as the best so far with 44 points and 20 rebounds a game. But of course, we did see that when he started taking bigger loads, you know, the Lakers game, there's injury risk. He did look tired at certain times of the game before the injury even happened. And he does have a high offensive load. He's one of the leaders in usage rate. He's an MVP candidate now two years in a row, which takes a lot out of a player. I made a deep playoff run last year and is going to make another deep one this year. Now, Giannis is the leading force in this duo. Middleton is averaging 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from three-point range, and scoring more than 20 again doing it. Only a few players have ever done that. And I have to give them credit, but the reason why I can't put them on top is look, you know, the, the top two, you're gonna you're gonna agree with me on this. They just they wouldn't stand up in a two-on-two game or even in the team series really against those teams, I don't think. Now, of course, Giannis has had some great games this year. 48 points, 14 rebounds against Dallas. You know, that was the 19th game after their 18-game win streak that they dropped. And even though it was just him and Middleton, he had a great game. And everything was in the paint for him. You know, I looked at his shot chart and all of the green dots were just in the paint. Uh, he had one three that he made in the first quarter. And that jump shooting has to get better because he was only one of six from that game. But if he can be a 32% three-point shooter in the playoffs, I think they'll be fine. As well, as well you know, he's got great uh, shooting role players, of which Middleton really is an all-star level role player. So I'm going to give them the third spot on this list. You know, Middleton, 51 points after after Kobe's death. They, they're both capable, talented scorers. Their offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, it's incredible. 114.9 offense, defense is 103.1, and the net rating is 11.8. That's in the 99th percentile. I'm going to repeat that. That's in the 99th percentile. So they're a great combination. I just think I have to see more from Budenholzer as a coach in the playoffs. I have to see more from Giannis as an adjuster in the playoffs and more from Middleton as a performer in the playoffs now number two you probably guessed because there's only two really that could be left in the top two it's going to be Kawhi and paul george now they are the group that has played less than 900 minutes they've only played 760 minutes together 
Now, that's partially due to the fact that PG had some injuries to start the year. And, of course, the whole load management, you know what the hell is going on. It's it's a shame to see that they haven't played more minutes together because I think that their stats would actually look better by now if they'd played more. But I can't rank them any lower than second. I mean, they're two top 10 players. They're the two best wing defenders in the league and two of the best wing offense players in the league. So I have to keep them there. And if we assume, okay, look, let's go, let's go and make this an even playing field for them. Let's assume that they play 900 plus minutes like the rest of these guys. Let's say that their net rating doesn't change by more than 0.3 points per 100 possessions, which is actually a big margin, I know. 0.3, it doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, per 100 possessions for a duo, that matters. Um, they they're, have a really good net rating and a really good offense and defensive rating. 115.2 offensive rating, 103.5 defensive rating, 11.6 as a net rating, which is in the 93rd percentile. Top 7% like the Celtics were. And you look at their individual stats, Kawhi 27-7-5, and five, Paul George 21-6-4. It looks like a down year for Paul George, I'll admit. But he's only playing 29 minutes a game. Kawhi Leonard only 32 minutes a game. So they're per 100s. 39, 10, and 7 for Kawhi. Paul George, 34, 9, and 6. 62% true shooting for Kawhi. 58 for Paul George. And both of them have about 11 to 14% turnover rate. So they're efficient scorers. They're great defenders. I have a feeling that they're going to perform exceptionally come playoff time as well. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that they can take teams on their own in the playoffs. Except, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to make the number one spot on this list. Now, when I'm comparing the Clippers and Lakers, I'm going to present them together here because they are really the top two in the league and they're the only one that really I would accept an argument for here for the top two spots. LeBron averaging 26, 11, and 8. AD averaging 26, 7, and 9. Both of them playing 34, 35 minutes a game. They're taking on everything that the Lakers need them to. They're doing everything for that team. Whereas Kawhi and Paul George, let's be honest, they rely a lot on Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly. Hell, even Jermichael Green has a big role on that team. Patrick Patterson has a big role on the team. Shout out Patterson, Raptors player, former, of course. And even per 100 possessions, LeBron's numbers and AD's numbers don't look garbage at all. LeBron's averaging a 35, 14, and 10. AD's averaging a 37, 13, and 4 with 3 blocks. So we basically have Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar slash Shaquille O'Neal kind of numbers here. LeBron's shooting 58% true shooting, including a lot of threes, 13% turnover rate, including controlling the entire offense. Anthony Davis, 37, 13, 4, and 3 blocks, as I said, per 100 possessions, 61% true shooting percentage, 10% turnover rate. So these guys, they're against the best of the best in the league, and they have faced a lot of good talent. You know, Houston, Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Celtics. They've performed at their highest possible level, and I think that when they kick it into playoff mode, we'll see them break that as well. Now, the reason why I have to put them in front of the Clippers is, look, when I look at both of their notable games, like Kawhi had a... Kawhi and PG had a great game where they combined for 88 points, I'll admit. But neither of them put in big assist numbers. Neither of them put in big, versatile offensive load numbers. Whereas LeBron and Anthony Davis, 
their notable games is a 39 and 16 and 12 for LeBron and a 40-20 for Anthony Davis, including 26 of 27 from the free throw line. On top of that, Anthony Davis was part of a record-setting night for the Lakers where they had a huge number of blocks on the Detroit Pistons. Anthony Davis had seven. So I just think that come playoff time, and also just as an individual comparison, LeBron and Anthony Davis have to be the number one duo. They have to be. Now, their defensive rating and offensive rating is 90th percentile, 10.3 net rating, 112.4 offense, 102.4 defense. It doesn't sound as sexy as the Clippers, I will admit. But again, the Clippers haven't played enough minutes. Do they have the chemistry? Do they have what it's going to take to win in the playoffs? I don't I don't think so yet. I think it's going to take one year for the Clippers to get used to it. The Lakers, I think they're ready to go. I think they'll get the season underway. Maybe a couple of games left. Maybe they'll just go into playoffs. But I think the Lakers tandem is most ready to win a championship. I think the Lakers tandem is going to dominate the league. Just outright dominate the league. Now, some notable exceptions, as promised. Lillard McCollum, the Portland duo. You know, everyone knows how much I love Portland, how much I love Damian Lillard. Shout out Rip City. Butler and Autobio, Miami having a Cinderella season. Simmons and Embiid, Mitchell and Gobert, CP3 and Shea Gildas Alexander, Kyrie, KD, Steph Clay missing out because of injuries. You know, it's there's there's a lot of guys we missed out on. So we invite you to message us on our Instagram at PNR Podcast. Let us know who didn't we include? Who should have been on this list? Who ranked too low? Who ranked too high? Or just say what's up. Just DM us and talk hoops because we're always ready to talk hoops. It's a conversation. It's a it's a two-way exchange of basketball information between us and the real hoopers out there that listen to this show. Speaking of which, that's going to wrap the show. Thank you so much for watching or rather listening to this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll have a great episode planned next week, of course. Episode 23. 23 is the number of so many just incredible nba greats absolutely crazy monumental superstars that have graced this league war number 23 and so i'm not going to spoil too much but episode 23 is going to be huge so we'll see you there hoopers don't forget to follow our sponsors on instagram of course at drip detailing at bball empire code pnr24 on bballempire.com gets you 24 percent off and tell Drip Detailing we sent you, you'll get $24 off of your order. It's the, it's the basketball number. It's 24. Of course, that episode is coming up too. So uh, we'll see you next week, Hoopers. Take it easy. Have a good week. And we'll catch you next week.